census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. podcast that knows that cats aren't instruments and you're never too old to jump onto a picnic table. We are brought to you by the Dorkening <laughs> Podcast Network and Deadly Grounds Coffee. And uh, as such, we are uh, also here live to us in the uh, Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, the currently being reorganized and is slightly organized Pat Cave of Magenta Manor. But uh, as you can tell, I am not here by myself. I am joined by my co-host on the show, my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ashes von Nightmare. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You just, like, left out. Half a bajillion titles. Listen, I don't have time to do all the titles. If I, if, if I am not getting the proper introduction, then I am leaving. I believe that's in my writer. Clearly, you didn't read it. See you. Bye. Bye. What's keeping you here? Why are you staying? Because I, I live here. Because I got nowhere else to go. Because this is my house. She's never seen an officer and a gentleman. No. Why don't you just quit? Because I got no place else to go. They parodied that in Wayne's World 2 with uh, Wayne and um, Chris Farley. That's where that comes from, an officer and a gentleman. But we're not talking about an officer and a gentleman today. Today we are uh, uh, we're a little late getting the episode off uh, because we have been super busy preparing again for this weekend... Uh, which hopefully the rain holds off for four or five hours so we can finally, once and for all, film my movie. So I'm trying not to get overly excited because last time I was all kinds of hyped up and then uh, the rain came and we had to cancel. And so I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not doing any of that. I'm just, yeah, maybe we'll do it, maybe we won't. We'll see. But this week we are discussing, as you saw from the post in the uh, Facebook group, uh, Ellen Brody, because Ash has got the uh, the joyous experience of getting to watch Jaws the Revenge for the first time. So now she has seen three of four of them. She still hasn't seen uh, part three, the 3D one, um, but I don't know how exciting that's going to be, but... Um, Ashes, you uh, you have a lot of thoughts about this, and we're going to discuss it. So many thoughts. In our main, so many our feelings. Main, uh, discussion, but because Jaws 4 came out uh, 12 years after the initial masterpiece that is Jaws, um, and it was the final sequel, 
Although there is, there is some controversy about Jaws 5, but we're not, we're not going to get into that. Um, we decided that we were going to discuss, because we've discussed the opposite, we're going to be discussing our least favorite sequels uh, ever. And I know, Ashes, you have a big list. I was just doing some off the top of my head the other day, um, and I can think of quite a few. But I'm going to try to limit it to five with about 31 honorable mentions. So, uh, Ashes, why don't you go first since you have your list up? Okay, so I try to because, you know, uh, horror films are just notorious for having terrible, horrible sequels. You know, eventually all these franchises end up in space. And then once you go to space, it's just it's just really it's it's downhill from there. Um, So I try to kind of look past the horror genre. And I do have a couple of horror films on my list. Uh, But I also, you know, I tried to take into consideration like all genres of films so in no particular order my list uh wonder woman 1984 that is probably one of the (gasps) biggest disappointments i want to say um i was really looking forward to that film especially after seeing the first film in theaters uh being almost moved to tears at times because it was just so powerful and emotional and yeah it's not a perfect film but it's just it is so good there are certain scenes that just really kind of shake you to your core and uh it was just beautifully done and then you get the second one and it's almost like a farce of the first one it's not even the same vibe it's uh you know I love camp. I love it when things are super campy. And I honestly felt like Wonder Woman 1984 was camp in the bad way. Yeah, it wasn't. Like, like, if the first one had been on par with that, okay. But because the first one had such a different vibe to it... um, you know the, the the what they tried to do with the second one it just it just didn't work for me i didn't like it and i think a lot of other people agree too uh next on my list is the next karate kid so i watched these films for the first time last year we did a whole episode uh, a handful of episodes um I started watching Cobra Kai. I wanted to watch all, you know, the backstories and stuff like that. Um, yeah, I really felt that this film just was not necessary, period, full stop. Um, it didn't feel right. Again, like the whole vibe of it was off and they really could have just left it with those other films. There's what, three of them? Yes. Yeah, so they could have just left... <laughs> It could have been, you know, the Karate Kid trilogy, and that's cool, that's fine, you know, but but they had to add this one in, and, you know, no offense to Academy Award winner Hilary Swank, but uh, she was crap in this film, like seriously, her acting was just so bad, so it's nice to see that people improve, obviously, but oh, it's just, it was terrible. Uh, next on my list is Rambo 3. So I watched Rambo, the the first Blood, uh, Rambo 2, and Rambo 3 
um, in it's preparation first for blood, first blood part two and then Rambo three. Okay. Well, the whatever. Um, so I watched those films in preparation for a Rambo episode and again, was completely blown away by the first one because I was under the impression that these films were just big, dumb action films with Sylvester Stallone being like, Oh, my name is Rambo. And now I'm going to shoot you. That's obviously the sound a gun makes. Um, and I was really impressed with the first one because it wasn't what I was expecting. It was a lot more, uh, it, it wasn't some dumb action film. Like there was actually a lot of heart to it. And that story was so incredibly moving and sad. And even the, the acting was phenomenal. I was not expecting that from Sylvester Stallone. The second and third films were exactly what, what I was anticipating with the third one being probably the most bizarre, the most off-putting. And I thought it was just so incredibly unnecessary uh next on my list is batman forever so i actually really liked batman and robin i thought that was a lot of fun you had arnold schwarzenegger as mr freeze you had uma thurman as poison ivy um you had whoever did the character of bane um you really have these awesome like big bads in there that really made the film and I kind of liked the campiness of the you know dialogue and whatnot but there's something about Batman Forever and it could be the fact that it's Jim Carrey as uh, the Riddler and you love Jim and Carrey. I love Jim Carrey so much um, I just I don't know it just there's something about it that's just off to me and I don't like it it's almost like it tries too hard and uh the dialogue between Val Kilmer and Nicole Kidman oh, yeah, it's just some of the stupidest dialogue I've ever heard in my life it's terrible hate it uh, next on my list so now I'm gonna get into a little bit of the horror territory um, book of shadows Blair Witch 2 so the Blair Witch was so groundbreaking in what it was, how it was filmed, and really brought to light this, uh, what's it called? Like the first, not the first person, but the the filmmaking style, like the found footage, oh, okay. found footage yeah, films. Like, what are you, where are you um, going for here? And uh, it was actually really terrifying. You never saw the Blair Witch. Uh, but you saw everything happening around the campsite and whatnot. And not seeing things made it even more terrifying because you could kind of use your imagination. And I thought it was just really brilliantly done. Where the second one, it's like a completely different film. And they're just like, yeah, we could just mention the Blair Witch a couple of times. Like it, it goes into like it creates mythologies that are completely unnecessary and it has not much to do with the first film at all aside from the fact that they say Blair Witch um, and it's just just terrible uh, next on my list is The Craft Legacy The Craft is amazing and does not need a sequel period and this is a sequel, so there was some debate as to whether or not it was a reboot or a sequel. There is a sequel because of something that happens at the end. And I'm not going to give spoilers in case you do want to see it. But it's just, you know, it just 
it just it just didn't need to be done. If you want to watch The Craft, watch The Craft from the 90s because it is fantastic. And last on my list is Halloween Ends. Who the fuck is Corey? Uh, he is the he is the the champion uh, of the universe. Like the whole I, I didn't like what was the Halloween Kills? Yeah. I didn't particularly care for that one either. Um but that I don't know one if was you know this, but evil dies tonight but at least there there were some redeeming quality as like factors for for halloween kills i liked the halloween reboot not reboot but it's revamp sequel to the yeah halloween Um, three i liked that that came out in what like 2018 2018 um i thought that was pretty fantastic uh, but the other two films were just garbage. But Halloween ends. Oh, that was just. Mm. There were certain scenes that were just completely unforgivable, and the fact that they bring in this other character, you know, trying to I don't know pass it, the torch. Yeah, make it seem like you're passing the torch. You know, and then like, like, just, oh no, he's dead. Just see, it just just stop. Just let's put him in a. Stuff. You know what? I would have been happier if they had sent them to fucking space. Like, send them to space. Don't do what you did. Like Space Halloween. You know? It Ooh, just, I carved a space pumpkins. It, it, when, when you're watching a film and you're looking at the clock being like, how much more of this do I have to watch? Because this is garbage. Like That's a good sign. That's a sign of a quality film. It's just terrible. So... I have I have five as well. Uh, first one I'm gonna go uh, sports related as well. Uh, Rocky five, just absolute awfulness the whole way through. The uh, I mean I the the idea of it was pretty good, but it just uh, what the hell are you doing? Sorry, I thought ah oh, no. Turn it off. She's like watching videos on her phone with the volume all the way up for some reason. Somebody sent me something. I was checking it. I didn't realize my volume was all the way up like that. And then you left it up. Well, I was trying to press the button. My phone doesn't work anymore. There's like one button on your phone. There there are one, two, three. There are three buttons. And you couldn't get any of them to work. You turned the volume up. Unbelievable. I pressed the button. So. Now you press the button. Rocky 5. I press the button. Rocky Five, just not a good one. Uh, they used Stallone's actual kid in this, uh, and then they were smart in Rocky Balboa and cast uh, Milo Ventimiglia, which was uh, much better. Um, so yeah, that one. I and unlike Ashes, I am gonna go with horror. I'm gonna go with uh, pretty much every sequel for uh, Hellraiser after two, uh, Hellraiser three. All the way down. Hellraiser 3, they're in space. Like, come on. Um, although we do get to see a very young... Um, who's a, who's a Adam Scott from uh, Step Brothers in the Office? Not The Office. Parks, Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. Um, so very young Adam Scott. All right. Uh, I'm also going to, uh, going to say... Oh, I just had it and I totally lost it. Oh, I'm mad at myself now. Uh, but no, um, as an honorable mention, I know I said I, I had like 37 of them. Uh, yeah, pretty much every Amityville uh, uh, film 
that wasn't the first Amityville horror. I'll I won't include the remake with Ryan Reynolds, and I think Melissa George was in that one, but every other one because they are less and less about the original house as you go along. Like if you watch Amityville Island, which I did. Uh, because there is a giant shark on the poster. Yeah, there's a shark in the movie for about 30 seconds. It's all about using, like, some weird government agency is kidnapping homeless women and implanting them with, uh, in, in implanting their uteruses with super soldier embryos. Yeah, what that has to do with a giant shark or Amityville, let me fucking know, because uh, I have no clue. Uh, Deep Blue Sea 2. Awful. Um, was not... Not nearly as good as the first one. Not nearly as good as the third one, either. Um, Deep Blue Sea, the first one, directed by Rennie Harlan, with a great cast. You know, Stellan Skarsgård and LL Cool J and Thomas Jane and, um, uh, Sam Jackson and, uh, Michael Rappaport, like, such a good cast. Uh, the second one, very forgettable. Uh, third one, much better. The third one's actually more of a sequel to the second one, but it was good. Um, and I think for my last one, <sighs> Jaws 3 and 4, like just not good. I know we're going to talk about this a little more, but like it gets more and more ridiculous as you go along and um what the movie is, you know, especially Jaws the Revenge, what it turned into um is totally antithetical and kind of veers off into from man versus nature to supernatural stalker slasher film but we'll get into this a little more uh, in our main discussion uh, but we would like to hear from you what are your, some of your least favorite sequels oh I remember the one I was going to say The Last Jedi absolute awfulness uh, maybe two or three cool parts uh, but even those parts should have been given to somebody else uh, the, the Holdo Maneuver like, you're going to introduce a brand new character that no one's ever seen before and have her be, like, the big hero that destroys the Dreadnought when you have Admiral fucking Akbar die off screen? Like, garbage. And I know what everybody says about the Princess Leia flying through space thing. Oh, well, she can use the Force and she can do this. And she... That's super awesome. But uh, how did she open the door and get back in? Because uh, the room where she was was the room that was blown up and, like, open to the void of space. So how the fuck did she get back in? Oh, it's okay because they just cut away from that scene when she got to the door. They don't have to show how she opened. Oh, my God. I, I got to stop because the, that, that whole thing drives me nuts and The, the Last Jedi makes me mad. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be discussing Ellen Brody and Jaws the Revenge. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method 
that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Instinctively, man has always been drawn to the sea. Its beauty, its mystery, its secrets. But there is also a vague uncertainty, a sense of intrusion into an alien world, where man is unwelcome and completely at the mercy of the most terrifying predator on Earth. Man's deepest fear has risen again. Jaws. The Revenge. This time, it's personal. And we are back. That, of course, being the trailer to 1987's uh, Jaws The Revenge. Um, I had seen this movie when it first came out, uh, right as soon as it was on uh, VHS, because I don't believe we saw it in the theater. Uh, but right when it came out on VHS, we went up to Burncoat Video, we rented it, we watched it, and even at that point... Uh, I was six, and my youngest brother, or my middle brother, Dan, who just turned 40 yesterday, so happy birthday, Dan, uh, he was four, and we were both making fun of uh, how Sean dies, uh, or the the way the actor portrayed Sean dying. Because, like, there's nothing funny about being eaten by a shark, except, like, the way he reacted to it. Like, it was... Just over-the-top, terrible acting. And he wasn't acting poorly up until that point. It was the death scene that's like, like, all right, just give us every range of emotion you can possibly think of. So I've, you know, had a long time to watch this movie and re-watch it and think about what I thought and uh, let my opinion change over the years as I've watched it uh, subsequently. Um but Ashes, you've never seen this before, like a week ago. Um, what did you think as you were watching it? Um, there are better things I could be doing with my time. Yep, uh, that was uh, one thing you I did say. I better be getting jewelry for watching this. You got, uh, I think, I'll get you an onion ring. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, no, you know, so I, I, I've, I've seen the second Jaws and I've now seen this one. Um, I don't think any 
any of these sequels are absolutely necessary. The shark dies in the first one. It gets blown up. I know Mythbusters busted that myth. They couldn't. But, but anyways, it looks cool. It just fucking looks cool. Okay, but like the the, the first one to me, kind of like the thing, Jaws is a pretty perfect film. You know, really full storytelling. Never really a dull moment. Phenomenal writing and casting and acting. And, you know, there's 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 action, there's drama, there's funny parts. Like it really just is like the full spectrum of a of a cinematic experience. You don't need all of these other sequels, trilogy, bullshit, whatever. Like you don't need any of that. You can let a film just be a film because to be completely honest i feel like the the more i watch of this franchise i feel like it cheapens the first film see i don't i don't agree with that because i mean the the like the first one is still you know phenomenal like it just but but it's almost like I need to rewatch the first one to kind of cleanse my palate of all of this nonsense that the sequels are. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, um, you know, it's like when a remake comes out. Like, the original exists. Like, nothing is, you know, taking that away from you. Like, it's still there. Like, you can still enjoy it. I will say this, though. You know, so Ellen Brody, she was a pretty, you know, pretty fun uh secondary character in the first one um you know she was more prominently featured in the second one she was briefly mentioned in the third one and then obviously like she is the star of this fourth one i don't remember her being mentioned in the third one I re- in my in my research, I guess she's she's briefly mentioned in Mainly the third one. Mainly because the third one is it's kind of like Halloween three, where Halloween three is like a non sequel because like Michael Myers doesn't show up. Like they have Sean and Michael, but like also a young Leah Thompson. Um, it's not. It, it the, the story is so weird, and it's. Like, I don't count it as canonical. Like, it's almost like a fan film. So I don't count it as canonical. I count one, two, and four as, like, the canon stories. Um, But even, like, three and four don't... Again, they're not the man versus nature thing. If you read, which I have, the, um, the books and the novelizations and whatnot, um, the second shark in Jaws 2 was the mate of the first one. And the fourth shark is the offspring of that coupling. But, like, there was suppo- there was a weird plot line that was supposed to involve, like, a voodoo curse or some shit, and they were just like, oh, that's crazy. We'll just have the shark only stalk the Brodies and know where they are at all time. And also, it has a psychic link with Ellen. Like, that, that that's the shit. Like, so, apparently, ugh. this woman, she reaches a certain age, and all of a sudden, she becomes like the That's So Raven of shark films. 
I don't know what that means. So, like, she, she like, senses the shark. She has some kind of, like, psychic connection with the shark, which, you know, in that case, I would have much rather have seen it gone to space. The only time she really has... Sharks in space. The only time she really had the connection is when it attacked Michael. And then, like, she kind of knew... Then she saw it attack Thea, but when it attacked Michael and she was like, something's wrong, and she's at the... At the parade with my cocaine. Oh, it was the name like ham salad or something. Hoagie. Hoagie. <laughs> Hoagie. I was close. Now apparently, uh, people have asked him, like, "What do you think of Jaws 4? And he's like, "I've never seen it, but I've seen the house that it bought my mother, and it's lovely." You know what? Good for him. Good for him. But it's very interesting, you know, that they decided to in the fourth film make her character like the the prominently featured character where she had only been a secondary character. I will say this. So I do like her character more in the films than in the book. She's a lot more likable in the films. Well, she doesn't cheat on Brody in the films. So. No, she just wants to get drunk and fool around. Right. With Brody, not with Hooper. Exactly. And that's how, if you're not familiar, that's how Hooper dies in the book. Uh, not fooling around with Ellen Brody, but uh, Brody knows about it, and you should call her Jaws. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they made a movie about her. It was called Thighs. Uh, they uh, he knows about the affair, and so he has a chance to save Hooper, but doesn't, and so the shark kills him. He's like, I could save you, but you've been nailing my wife. So uh, see you later, chum. I hope he said that. I don't remember if he did in the book, but that would have been awesome. So, yeah. And at this point, uh, Martin Brody has passed away. Like, this happened off screen. Was it like a heart attack or something? Yes, he had a heart attack. <laughs> so, Ellen Brody. Do we know exactly how, like, when? Or I think they just allude to it. They don't say exactly. They didn't say when. They just said that they. It's it's a thing that happened. Yeah. So we don't know how long she's been single, but boy, is she ready to mingle. Yep. <laughs> I know you've been waiting so long to bust that one out. Well, I was no, no. The one I was waiting to bust out was <laughs> Helen Brody's shark senses are tingling, and with my cocaine around, that won't be the only thing that's tingling. Oh my god. <laughs> Then he kissed me. But it's just, it's, it, I don't know. It's just, it's so weird. Like the whole premise of the fourth one is weird. Like she's sad because Sean dies. You know, her, her son is, is eaten by a shark. And, and, oh, and it's Christmas. Yes. It's Christmas. And nothing says my son was eaten by a shark and it's Christmas more than going to the Bahamas. Yeah. Well, she's a Bahama mama. <laughs> Like I just don't. I I just. I will. I will I just say. Didn't understand that at all. What was funny? I'm in mourning. Let's go on a banana boat. The only thing I could think of. Well, she was going back to stay with her son, as opposed to being alone, like her remaining family. 
instead of being alone in the winter, like being depressed. Like, what's more depressing than like? I'm in mourning. Michael Caine, hold me. Well, that was that was after, but like, the thing that irritates me the most is that like the shark follows them into waters that it would never go to and beats them down there. They but went in a plane. Yeah. So they were in Massachusetts. Amity Island. Amity, as you know, means friendship. And then they went to the Bahamas. Yes. And the shark was in Massachusetts. And then went to the Bahamas. And then went to and the Bahamas. Beat them there. Well, I mean, maybe was the a, shark was also vacationing for Christmas. There was a four day layover in New Jersey. That's how the shark was able to get down there fast enough. But no, like I will say one of the, the things that I, I mentioned in the uh see every time there's like a running joke anytime there's a movie in Brazil and someone's like, Oh, Brazil nuts and like, Well, we're in Brazil, so we just call them nuts you know. So she's on a date with Michael Caine and they they order drinks. She's like, Oh, what's that drink? And he's like, Oh, it's a Bahama mama and I'm like, Here in the Bahamas they just call it a mama <laughs> Because I mean, that's like that's about the level of writing that you'd get. And like the shark ate Hoagie's plane. Like ate his plane. Like I know the one in the second one sank a helicopter, but like it ate his plane. Like and was still hungry. The the thing that really drove me nuts, even as a child, was they put this thing this uh, down its throat when it crushes Mario Van Peebles. Uh, they stick this thing down its throat that uh, messes with the shark's uh, electroreceptors, the ampullae of Lorenzini, just really messes with them, which somehow also makes the shark able to stand in the water. Like, it sticks... 70% of its body up in the air, like, standing still, uh, and roars, which sharks don't have vocal cords, so they can't do that, uh, but this one does over and over and over again. Okay, and explain to me why the shark, so I know we're talking about Ellen Birdie, and we'll get back to that, but it, tell me why the 1975 shark looked so much better than the 1987 shark? Because uh, people gave a shit back then. It's all about uh, who's doing the effects, how much the studio wants to pay them, and what kind of job they're willing to do. Now, we talk about this all the time uh, when it comes to CGI and, and you know uh, different VFX that you can see in... You know, movies and people are always quick to, well, it's, you know, 2002. Oh, it was 2003. Oh, it was only, you know, 1997. You know, it's like, no, sorry. The Abyss came out in 1987. Terminator 2 came out in 1991. Jurassic Park came out in 1993. If you want things to look realistic, you can make them look realistic. Now, in the, in, say, Jurassic Park, like, some of the raptor action is dudes in suits. Some of it is CGI. There was a life-size Tyrannosaurus Rex that they built. You know, 
So like the one that crashes through the the roof of the Jeep, that was a real one, and they kind of lost control of it because it got too heavy in the rain because the the latex that it was made of soaked up all the rain and it got too heavy. So when it leans forward and falls through, it wasn't supposed to fall through and break the glass. Oops. That's why the kids were freaking out because that wasn't supposed to happen. But that looked realistic. All of that looked realistic. Even the stuff that you know is computer generated, like the T-Rex running down the road chasing the Jeep with Malcolm on it. That was CGI, but it looks so much better than stuff that came out 10, 12 years later because people gave a shit. And, like, Terminator came out in 1984. Well, didn't they, for this film specifically, because it was it's a Christmas film. It happens around Christmas. Yes. And, like, like the season is a driving plot for the film. Um, it came out in the summer. So, like, but I think it wasn't it supposed to come out in the winter, but they needed, like, or they wanted it to be a summer blockbuster, so they rushed it. They tried to, um, yeah, they tried to, like, straddle the line and make it best of both worlds, and it just, it just didn't didn't work on any level. So now I want to talk about Ellen Brody, action star. Asterisk. <laughs> and she, yeah, because she really wasn't action star. Like, oh, that shark ate my, ate my son. Oh, that shark tried to eat my other son. And I'm having flashbacks to events that I didn't witness, uh, which is always fun. It's like, oh, I remember when this happened. You weren't there for that. Yeah, but I imagine this is how it went. You know, it's like she's she's she has flashbacks of Sean getting eaten. Wasn't there for it. She has flashbacks, flashbacks, flashbacks of Martin Brody shooting the see, shark. That is the that's so Raven effect. Instead of seeing the future, she could see the past that she wasn't even there for. Yeah, well, I can see the present. You're welcome. Yeah, I am a present. Oh, good. Oh, I'm gonna have to regift you. Um, I'm gonna return you for store credit. <laughs> Good luck trying to put me back in the box, okay? Ah, oh, whatever. I'll just wrap you up as best I can. Oh, sorry, the box was broken in shipping, and this is... Uh, I don't know. But anyway, so she's envisioning things that she didn't ever see, but she remembers them somehow. Um, but like, oh, the shark would swim by other people and only go... After well, it was, it was when, family. yeah, but it was when it went after her granddaughter that she was like, not today, shark, not today. Right. But like it killed her son. And then like, and she's like, oh God, sad about it. it killed my son. Let's make a casserole and go to the Caribbean because I don't want to be alone. And also I'm going to bang my cocaine. And then it's like, it tried to eat her other son. It's like, eh, the shark tried to eat me today. And she's like, oh, that's unfortunate. You should stop being an oceanographer. Stop doing stop doing your snail research. And he's like, ah, no. Oh, I tried. Okay, I'm going to go hook up with my cocaine again. Oh, it almost ate the little girl. Oh, that's I'm going to fuck that fish up. Like, what? My mom stole a boat. I can get you there in my plane. Watch me go. We're both in rowboats now, but we'll easily catch up to her. 
She's only in the ocean. But, but that's the thing, though. Like, so she <laughs> she steals this boat. She takes this boat, and but she she kills the shark with the boat. And after the shark jacks the boat up because she's like, "I'm gonna get you," and the shark like comes up and wrecks the boat. And she's like, "Oh, I'm helpless again." She's all like, "Come get me, you son of a bitch!" And but it's like, like, "Oh, she said the line, sort of." But like. The shark is wrecking the boat, and she turns but, into a damsel in distress again. But what I'm trying to say, though, is that like I don't understand how that whole sequence of events like could have played out like that, because that boat was not going fast enough to pick up any type of momentum to do any damage to that shark. Well, the shark was sticking up out of the, out of the ocean. And depending on which version you saw... So there's two endings to this. In one, she jams the uh, bow of the ship into the shark and, like, massive amounts of blood. Like, we're talking Johnny Depp in Nightmare on Elm Street levels of blood, blood geysers coming out of the shark. That's one ending. The other ending... Now, remember, every time they hit the, the this little machine, it uh, the transmitter for this electro-impulse dealy thing, the shark stands up in the water. You know, think about, like, how dolphins do, like, that tail thing where, like, they can use their tail and they stand up in the water, but, like, without moving its tail back and forth, it just stops and stands up straight. Like you're a, a, a you're standing in a kiddie pool or something, or in a, in a jacuzzi. Um... The shark keeps doing that and roaring. So they keep doing it and keep doing it. And she steers the boat and impales the shark. But in the uh, alternate version, the shark explodes as one tends to do when getting stabbed with a ship. Now, I can't uh, confirm that that happens every time because I've only actually no, I can't. Uh, Ursula, when she got stabbed with a ship, she exploded. Right? Like, she exploded into all that energy. She didn't just die. Like, she exploded, right? Well, I thought she more, like, deflated. Yeah, but, like, all her energy shot out of her. Yeah, was but that, but that was, yeah, but that was because she was full of hot air. I mean, I don't know. She it, That was two years later anyways, so... I know they took that and they were like, that's a good idea. Let's animate that, but like with a squid lady and basically make it the same thing, which they kind of did. They kind of just did the same thing in 1989's Little Mermaid. Like, I'm just like, I didn't think about that before just now because I was trying to think of how many times I've seen someone impaled with the end of a boat. And that's really the only two examples that I can come up with. If you know of any other examples, let us know. But... Uh, I don't you know. Can you think of any more? So, like, half the time someone gets stabbed with a boat, they explode. But, I mean, this thing exploded as soon It's like it was... It was like the ending of the first Jaws film. And they're like, yeah, you know what would be great? We stab the shark and it blows up. But what explosive charge are you hitting? Like, what are you hitting? And Mario Van Peebles, they find him floating in the water. He's like, oh, I told you Uncle Jake's equipment don't crap out. And it's like... You were being crushed by this shark, and, like, you lost all of your blood. Maybe that's why he was floating, because he didn't have any blood left, so he was lighter. I don't know, but he was just kind of floating, like, oh, I'm full of not blood, but seawater, so I'm buoyant now. 
I don't know. It was not good. And, like, they didn't know what they wanted to do with her. Like, clearly she was the main character. But they kept cha- Like, first she's like, oh, I'm so sad. Oh, everybody's getting attacked. Oh, now my, my granddaughter got attacked? Well, that's your third strike, Sharky. But, like, there were potential points of, of badassery. Like, potential badassery. That could have been displayed from Ellen Brody. And they, it's almost like they, 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 they kind of got there. They got to that point and then they shied away. They backed away from it. They're like, oh, I don't know. She's kind of old. We can't have, we can't have an old lady being a badass. It was almost like, I'll use like a random like metaphor. It was like, if you were to jump onto a picnic table and you made it. <laughs> But, like, your shoes slipped, and, like, you gouged up your shins. It's kind of like that. Because, like, they got really close, and then in the end, they just ended up hurting you. Like, it didn't... It wasn't that satisfying ending. You were just there. You were almost there. You were at the precipice. If you just had better shoes, you would have been able to stay there. But you slipped. And I think that's how the screenwriters did it. Like, they slipped and scraped their shins. Because, like you said, they could have had this Well, maybe, maybe the writers shouldn't have been jumping on picnic tables to begin with because they're over 40. They're uninsured. I mean, clearly they should have stuck to the rivers and lakes that they're used to. Well... The other thing about that is the 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 writers were left to their own devices and there was no one there to tell them not to do it. So in reality, it's the producer's fault. Well, here's the thing. The producer should not have to tell the writer to well, act their age. Well, when the producer isn't there, the writer's like, let me see what I can get away with. The producer should not have to parent the writer. No, it's not parenting. It's just like, hey, let me make sure you don't go down this wrong path. Like, think critically about what you're about to do. But The producer no longer has to bleach her hair before she dyes it because it's already gray. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks to the writer. Yeah, and the writer did that intentionally. <laughs> you're welcome. These are all hypotheticals, by the just way. Completely folks. hypothetical. <laughs> not no based real on life anything. at all. I was actually telling someone of that story earlier today and I was like in all honesty it's like she wasn't there not to tell me to do it so for real it's her fault (laughs) I mean like you came out and yelled at me after the fact but I had already done it like eh. I had already if you had come out and been like listen you're 300 pounds and you're 42 years old. You have bad knees, bad ankles, and a bad back and bad but, hips. That's the thing. I shouldn't have to tell you that. You should know that already. Yeah, but I was all looking at examples, it. All of the all of the things, all of the things you just told me, all of those things. Those are the things that should have been running through your head. No, the only thing that was running I was like, that's not that high. I can make that. Now, now, now. What happens? This is why you're what, my AD. What, what, what happens? What happens if you landed on the pick table? The pick table? The pick table, the picnic table. And then the picnic table like capsizes. 
Well, it can't it, because it, it wasn't in water. So no, but wouldn't. like that that picnic table was not going to hold because you that picnic table was going over. So you were getting injured one way or another. Why did you think that was a good idea? No, see what would have happened if the like the picnic table like tipped up. I would have run up the picnic table and like jumped. <laughs> you onto were going to run. Yeah. <laughs> This is a funny podcast. So this is the, so that's what happened, and that's that's why, and that's why Ellen Brody did what she did. Right, because she didn't have the writers didn't have any supervision, and they were like, because again, she takes a boat and she's like, I'm gonna kill this shark, and she was out there. See, it's one thing. If, like, you see someone and, like, they're like, all right, I'm going to beat the shit out of this guy, like, in an action film. And they go and immediately get into the fight. Like, that's one thing. It's totally different if they're like, all right, well, I'm going to get in this boat and I'm going to drive for, like, an hour and a half. And, you know, like, you can't have that, like, I'm angry and, like, ready to go, like, have your adrenaline and your fight or flight response up for that long just like in the ready position you can't do that so she finally gets there and like they land the boat they, they land the boat they land the plane by the boat now this isn't uh an aquatic plane by the way uh because once they landed they they weren't going to fly away again because this plane was not built to land on water um, but he did anyways, and then the shark ate the plane after, uh, Jake and Michael got out and swam to the boat, and she's like, what are you doing here? I came to save you. Oh! And then Hoagie comes out, and he's like, oh, that thing had bad breath, and, ah, my cocaine, and wacky shenanigans, and, like, he comes onto the boat, and then they're like, we're going to do this. And then the shark eats Jake, apparently thinking he was uh, he was Michael. Because, like, the entire movie, the shark literally avoided everyone that wasn't a Brody. And only went after the Brodies. Like, it only just missed Thea because it mistimed its jump. I mean, it still chomped the hell out of the lady. But it knew that this wasn't Michael Brody because earlier in the film, when what's-his-name's in the little submarine, it swims by him and goes and attacks the boat. Like, it could have easily killed Jake in the little submarine, and instead it attacked the giant research vessel because it wanted to get at Michael. So, like, even that's inconsistent. Because the shark kills three people. Three and a half. Uh, Sean... How do you? Well, two and a half. How do you half kill a person? Well, it kills Sean, right? Mm-hmm. It kills the uh, the girl on the banana boat, and it should have killed Jake. Like, I don't think he survives that. Like, the thing had him in its in its jaws and was like chomping down, and <gasps> he's like, "That's the name of the movie." That's part of the name of the movie, and then. Ten minutes later, he's floating in the water. All his blood's leaked out, and he's talking perfectly fine. Like, oh, I have no crushed ribs or collapsed lungs. You know, the shark didn't, like, crush it. Like, his shirt's barely ripped. Like, ugh. But Ellen on the boat, like, 
they're trying to get the boat start started because the shark hits the boat and disables it completely and she falls down and she's like oh oh god what do i do oh i'm so sad oh i'm so useless again oh someone save me who has a man body like i'm so sad michael kane save me oh and then like he's like oh i don't know what to do i'm a pilot and i'm really good too that's how i landed my plane in the water because it's not an aquatic plane it's it's so bad and then it's like she remembers that she's supposed to be the main character and kill the shark and again has flashbacks to things she wasn't present for and explodes the shark by stabbing it with a boat so now you don't need to see the movie unless like the way we've described it you want to see the movie you still don't have to, but if you wanted to, you could do so. So, Ashes, any final thoughts on Ellen or... So, I looked up Lorraine Gary, who plays Ellen Brody, because I was curious as to what else she's been in and whatnot. She actually retired from acting in 1979. After Jaws 2. She came out of retirement just to do this film in 87. So you got this poor woman out of retirement to do this film and this is the film you you present to her like this is this is what you do like this is this is it this is okay. I'm sorry. Okay. I, I have I have uh boat payments and plane payments. I I landed my plane in the water. So now I have to do this movie so I can pay for a new plane. Like, what? We're doing another Jaws film. Oh, I really regret not being in Jaws 3. What a cinematic masterpiece that was. No, it it was clearly a passion project. She didn't need the money. She was married to, like, some big studio exec. Yeah, I don't don't know. Like, she was was all set in the money department. (sighs) Well, you know, plus all the jobs. Like that's why she. That was one of the reasons why she retired because she she didn't need to work. She's they they started a family. She was a mom. Yeah, and she only cared about her grandkids. And like they <laughs> got her out of retirement just for this. Yeah, clearly the right choice. Good call on that one. All right, so we're gonna take a quick break, uh, and then when we come back. We're going to wrap things up. We have a new battle, and uh, we will... Uh... we got some teasers coming up, too. So. Yeah, we've got some good stuff coming up, so we'll be right back.
course, was uh, if you are fans of uh, the Shark Bites podcast, you will know that as the uh, outro music. Uh, the title is Depths of the Apex by our good friend 8-Inch Alchemy over at uh, uh, Retro Redoctopus. So uh, he does uh, some awesome stuff, and he made that theme for me, and I really appreciate it. So <clears throat> that was our discussion uh, regarding... Ellen Brody and her amazing, magical, technicolor uh, shark fight, I guess. Uh, we're very interested in your <laughs> thoughts. Uh, I know it derailed a little bit, but what kind of show would this be if we didn't derail a little bit? Um, so, it definitely wouldn't be Throwdown Thursday on a Friday. Yeah, it is on a Friday. <laughs> Actually, it's on a Friday on World Shark Day. How perfect is that? Yeah, so it ended up working out. Happy like, birthday, sharks. Like we took yesterday and today off from work yesterday because we were going up to Hampton Beach to jump on picnic tables for my brother's 40th birthday. Uh, and I would have just had today off anyways, but we were running around today doing it. Uh, is a, it is a holy holiday for your people. A, a high, high holiday. Yes. Um, international, I mean, sorry, World Shark Day. There's a difference. Um, but that being said, because it's World Shark Day and because we talked about Ellen Brody, we have a, a theme for this week's battle. And when we have a new battle, what do we do? <gasps> we have to play the battle theme. You know, there will be a point <laughs> that I will get this right. There will you know, be a point. It helps if you press play I and did. then don't pause it. Yeah, I press play. <laughs> you just got a little it, too uh, I was, exuberant with the button, uh, button pushing. I have a new setup. Like it, it, we, I rearranged everything. I have a new desk. I have a new setup. Everything is arranged differently. It my has second, lights. My second monitor is... Uh, a smart TV. We're having light switch raves right now. Yeah, we uh, the desk comes with like LED, LED lights, like that can turn to a rave. Like it's fucking wild. Uh, I will. Podcasters do, gone wild. I will do a live video at some point because there's a couple of movies and TV shows that are coming out that I want to do live reactions to. Uh, but we have the battle, and uh, this week I have the the battle uh, because Ashes hasn't seen most of these movies, so. Um, I wanted to put the battle together. This is the Battle of the Bait Thing Beauties. Uh, B-A-I-T. Bait Thing Beauties. Um, the battle takes place um, in in uh, uh, the Bermuda Triangle. And the special guest referee is Fishy Joe Gilman of Fishy Joe's Taste the Walrus. Uh, I'm sorry, Ride the Walrus. Uh, that's where you get the extreme walrus juice and poplars. Um, but yeah, Fishy Joe from uh, from Futurama. So, the battle pits the following four ladies. Ellen Brody, obviously from the Jaws franchise. Emma Collins from Deep Blue Sea 3. 
Uh, not as I typed it into IMDb, Derp Blue C. <laughs> Derp Blue Z. Uh, Nancy from uh, The Shallows, played by Blake Lively, and April Wexler, played by Tara Reed in uh, the Sharknado franchise. And by the way, uh, Emma Collins, played by Tanya Raymond, who you might know from the Texas Chainsaw movie that also had Alexandria Daddario. And, uh, and where I know her from, uh, Ben Linus's daughter in Lost. So if you ever watch Lost, it's Ben's daughter. Uh, I forget what her name was on that. Trixie or something. I don't know. Trixie seems right. Mitzi? Mitzi? I don't know. Anyways, uh, they each have to go up against the, their combined forces. They have to fight a Megalodon. So... It's them in the SS Minnow. I'm sorry, the uh, not the SS Minnow. That's from Gilligan's Island. <laughs> it was a three-hour uh, tour. It would be a three-hour battle. <laughs> uh, in the Orca, with all the supplies and implements that they had in the original Jaws, so all of Hooper's gear, all of Quint's gear, all of that. All the Narragansett you could drink. Yep, all the little crackers that you can take 67 bites of. Um, so all the crackers, all the, all the, all the beer, all the, all the gear that they had, and they have to fight a Meg in, uh, in the uh, Bermuda Triangle. So it's the ladies versus the Meg in the Bermuda Triangle. So what do we have coming up? So next week's episode is going to be super fun because we are going to prepare you and tell you everything you need to know to go see the Barbie movie. Things as, who is Ken? Where did Ken come from? Who is Midge? Why is the pregnant Midge so controversial? And the big question that's on everybody's mind... Who the fuck is Alan? Yes, we will be answering that question and more next week. It's going to be a fun episode. I'm excited. It, consider it a, uh, a companion piece to the Barbie episode that came out well, a couple years ago. Yeah, Midge is what uh, Mo calls Marge. Yes, but she is also Barbie's redheaded friend. Right, but that's a different midge. Different midge, yes. Yeah, and, and that is actually the midge we'll be talking about. Yes. Not Marge Simpson. Yes. Yes. And what are we doing after that? We are talking about Bob's Bombs. Yeah. Uh, we are doing the uh, Boppen, uh, Boppenheimer, <laughs> Barbenheimer special. Yes. We're doing the, uh, yeah, the, the, the Barbenheimer special. Uh, don't expect us to do Wonkpolian, but uh, we will be doing uh, Barbenheimer. So we're going to take advantage of the trend because uh, that's you know what we're definitely known for as we do this Jaws no, 4 episode. But well, but here's the thing. I'm actually really interested to uh, A, see Oppenheimer and see how he's portrayed and, and what story is told and compare and contrast the the two, the real life versus what is portrayed in the cinematic Which universe. Which we tend to do when we discuss uh, real and world I think figures. Yeah, and I think it's going to be a very interesting conversation. Um, I believe... It's going to be the bomb. Yep. Not a flash in a pan, but we will, we won't have a little boy, but we will have a fat man. So <laughs> that'll be, uh, 
that'll be our if you know you know um that'll be our uh, contribution so the next couple because we are going to see the movie yes we actually we have the barbenheimer special uh we've had our tickets for a while now um i'm super excited to see both films uh slightly more excited to see the barbie film to be completely honest with you and we'll talk about that next week but uh yeah we've had our tickets for a while we're seeing barbie first followed by oppenheimer i'm just i'm 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 ready to have a mind-blowing experience in the cinemas yes and i'm sure there'll be some sort of like Oppenheimer drink. It's probably oh something my God. spicy. I hope. I hope they have like a super pink Barbie drink. They probably will. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, so anyways, that's what's coming up the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, strap in. Buckle up, strap on. Yeah, buckle up, <laughs> It's going to be a lot of fun. You're going to learn a lot of stuff, and we're going to have some fun conversations. So. I think with that being said, we we will will see you you next Thursday, not Friday, but Thursday, definitely Thursday. And sometimes I will get the uh, battle theme right. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. A census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti.